Welcome to Inside New Mexico. I'm Derek Underhill, and we are talking with the chairman of the Republican Party of New Mexico, Steve Pierce, formerly our congressman from District 2 of New Mexico. Chairman, how are you? Well, we're doing great. I mean, other than the hot weather, it was 109 degrees in the southern part of the state. I flew across to Las Cruces on the weekend, and I would just tell you, I don't think I've ever seen it that hot. Had a friend out test flying a jet. He was trying to get some training in it, uh, just one of those little citations, and they were flying around single engine. Of course, hot weather and jets don't get along together. He said when he went to the single engine operation, it just barely would climb, but uh, that's what hot weather does to airplanes. But you know, Derek, I tell you, I've been watching some of the twisting that the liberals do to get themselves in the position they're in. I noticed somebody had a quote posted from James Comey, of course, the former head of the FBI. And he says Hillary is guilty, but should not be charged. Meanwhile, they posted another quote from uh, Mueller says Trump is not guilty. But he should be charged. Yeah. And so you just uh, you can't find this. And so I think Rush Limbaugh says, what the hell is this, folks? They exonerate Hillary because they think she didn't intend to do what she did. That's on that email server and handing over hundreds of classified emails to people who hacked into the system. So he says they exonerate Hillary because they think she didn't intend to do what she did. They can't find why that Trump did anything, but they think he intended to do what he didn't do, and so they need to impeach him. So those impeachment hearings were held last week, and we're going to talk about that later in the show. We've got a great show today, uh, Derek, but uh, appreciate you always hosting these. Well, I'm happy to do it, and I'm curious, too. Now, you were in Congress representing, as I said, the 2nd District of New Mexico, and I wanted to ask you about this because you've had experience. When people say President Trump should not talk back to these four freshman congresswomen who are attacking him, the squad, I think they call him, yet they have called him Hitler. They have called him mother something that I can't say on the radio. What about the respect our representatives should also have? Doesn't it work both ways? It sure does, uh, Derek. I tell you, one of the things that I learned the, the quickest in politics is that the person you're talking bad about today, you may have to work with them tomorrow on a, a bill that's critical to a different constituency. So early on, I just decided we just can't do this divisive politics, the divisive talk. Even uh, when President Obama was in office, we worked well with his agencies. We didn't agree with him on hardly anything at all, but we were able to work together and, and frankly, we got some key things done during the Obama administration that we had been unable to get done under the Bush administration. So that sense of respect back and forth is just key. And so the press, of course, jumps on Trump for the first tweet he will put out about the squad. Meanwhile, they are saying and doing everything provocative about him and about Republicans in general. And uh, they just are given a free pass. But I think that Trump is taking him on. Who wins that fight? I don't know. That's up to the voters. But it is definitely a stir. And you're exactly right. There is supposed to be respect back and forth between everyone in elected office. And to tell you the truth, you're supposed to respect your neighbor anyway. It doesn't matter if you're elected or not. But, you know, Derek, we talked a little bit about that last week where the Speaker of the House had her words taken down and she was banned from speaking in the House of Representatives for the rest of the day because her words crossed that line. And so there is a formal rule on the House floor about what you can and can't say there. It should apply outside, too. But uh, people just they say all sorts of things. Every single member of this institution, Democratic and Republican, should join us in condemning the president's racist tweets. To do anything less 
would be a shocking rejection of our values and a shameful abdication of our oath of office to protect the American people. I urge a unanimous vote and yield back the balance of my I was just going to give the General Speaker of the House if she would like to rephrase that comment. I have cleared my remarks as a parliamentarian before I read them. And take it. And I ask the words be taken down. I make a point of order. The gentlewoman's words are unparliamentary and risk ready to be taken down. The chair will remind all members, please, please do not uh, make uh, comments uh, toward personality-based uh, or personality-based comments. The gentleman from Georgia is recognized. I made a point of order that the gentlewoman's parliamentary and request they be taken down. Is the gentleman making a demand that the words be taken down? I request that the gentlewoman's words are unparliamentary and request that they be taken down. All members will suspend. She says in the clip that she had her comments approved, and yet they were taken down anyway. She said that it was the parliamentarian who ruled that they were okay, but he is the one who had to rule that they're not okay. Now, he works for her, and to rule that her words were not okay indicate that she didn't go at all and have them approved. She was just trying to bluster, so she got caught, and the House had her words taken down and refused to let her speak for the rest of the day. That hasn't happened since the 80s, has it, since the speaker has been taken down? It's very, very rare because the speaker always should stay above the fray. They're the speaker of the whole House, not just the leader of the Democrats or the leader of the Republicans. As much as I felt like that John Boehner did not always represent the Republican side of things, he always had a graciousness about him when he was speaking from the floor. And I think that, uh, that he set that model for us properly. It looks like uh, Iran is trying to start something with the British and some of these oil tankers. Tell us about it. Well, Iran is experiencing tremendous, tremendous economic chaos inside their country. They are starting to bring soldiers home from around that region. They can't afford to pay them. They don't want them defecting when they're outside the country. And that economic pressure is causing them to become increasingly aggressive with the Western nations. Last week began with the U.S. shooting down an Iranian drone that came within a thousand feet of a U.S. amphibious assault ship that was in the Strait of Hormuz. The drone was shot down uh, as an act of self-defense. You recall the coal was bombed and damaged uh, seriously about 10 or 15 years ago mm-hmm. uh, by Yemen. So that defensive act, uh, shooting down the drone, I think was was justified. But on Friday, then Iran seized a British tanker, the Stena Impero, as it was making its way through the Strait of Hormuz. There's audio that leaked that revealed that a member of the Iranian Revolutionary Guard ordered the tanker to divert course. The British naval officer interrupted and told the crew of the tanker that under maritime law, they had the right to continue to proceed. Evidently, they didn't. So that ship with 23 crewmen ended up in the hands of the Iranians. They took over a Liberian tanker, but released it later in the day. So it looks like the United Kingdom is being brought into this international problem where Iran is trying to to provoke an incident with the U.S. So it looks like maybe they're just uh, willing to attack any of the shipping in that area. Now, this week, Boris Johnson is elected the leader of the conservatives. Thus, he's going to step into that role of prime minister. You remember the 
prime minister had resigned a couple of months ago, and he'll be coming in at a time of deep crisis. We'll see what kind of a leader he is right off the bat. Meanwhile, in the U.S., Iranians' American-educated foreign minister Mohammad Zarif was in New York at the United Nations, and he was putting on a media blitz, pushing all sorts of propaganda, saying that it was economic terrorism that was being waged on them. All the indications are tremendous, tremendous economic pressure inside Iran at this moment. Meanwhile, President Trump is actually kind of ignoring the whole thing. He says uh, Iran can get along easy or they can get along hard. Doesn't make any difference. So tremendous chaos going on in the Middle East, but I don't think it's going to lead to any prolonged conflict anytime soon. You are listening to Inside New Mexico with former Congressman Steve Pierce, now chairman of the Republican Party of New Mexico. We've got a lot more to talk about, so stay tuned. We'll be right back. Attention, New Mexico veterans. If you were honorably discharged from the U.S. Armed Forces, you've earned state and federal benefits, and the New Mexico Department of Veteran Services is standing by to assist you. State benefits include a veteran's property tax exemption, education and training, and transportation services. We can also assist with claims for federal VA benefits. The state of New Mexico and this radio station thank you for your service. More information at nmveterans.org or 1-866-433-8387. Welcome back to Inside New Mexico with Chairman of our Republican Party of New Mexico, Steve Pierce. Derek, I want to start with news. It actually was in January of this year, but anytime we see a, a great issue for religious liberty, we like to talk about it because I feel like that uh, religious faiths of all kind are under attack in America in the courtrooms and in different things that are passed in cities and counties. And so people in the churches have been feeling like they're under attack. But on a good note, a judge in Green Bay, Wisconsin, ruled in uh, December of last year that churches and other religious organizations as well are free to preach and teach distinctives of their uh, particular beliefs, even if those beliefs might at first appear to be in conflict with local city ordinances. Now, what came up was that uh, the specific issue before the court was that the city of De Pere, that's uh, just outside Green Bay, a small suburb of about 23,000, a little more than a year ago, had enacted several new non-discrimination policies, typical of those adopted uh, in recent years by local governments across the country. The most controversial was the focus on the gender issue, addressing gender identity and sexual orientation, housing, employment, advertising, and the public accommodation. From the beginning, the city said that public accommodation places were in fact churches and other religious organizations, and they had had to then abide by them. But five of the churches in that community began to bring suit, and they were willing to take this all the way into the courts. The appealing churches and a broadcaster who joined with them argued that the city ordinances would forbid traditional and biblical teaching on such issues as the city had tried to curtail and therefore would violate the freedom of speech and freedom of religion. So it was significant that the courts sided with the churches. So anytime we strike a note on the side of religious liberty, I think that that's noteworthy and and something that we should uh, obviously bring to the attention of everyone. Just to reassure them that even though we feel like we're under attack all the time, that the courts many times support the Constitution. 
I see Democrats uh, tried to impeach President Trump and failed. What were they trying to impeach him for? You know? Well, I, yeah, Al Green is uh, is a representative from uh, down in the Houston area. I know him well. Served on committee with him, and and the people you serve on committee with, you get to know them just quite a bit better than the others because that's who you work with. So Green basically made the charge that Trump was supposedly bringing ridicule, disgrace, and disrepute to the presidency in the form of his tweets calling out the squad. Now, this was really thin ice. There are very specific reasons that a president can be impeached, and this does not quite reach the the threshold that our Constitution sets up. Now, Mr. Green has brought a couple of these impeachment resolutions forward. So Nancy Pelosi was in a real bind. As the Speaker of the House, she knows that many, many of the people who brought them to the majority serve in very moderate districts. They swing back and forth. They may have voted for Obama, may have voted for Trump. But their congressmen or congresswomen really are at risk when they get too radical. You recall when the the Republicans brought impeachment proceedings against Bill Clinton that they lost badly in the next election. And so that's what Pelosi felt like was their risk. She knew that the votes would fail, but and, and in the past has said that she, are, she is not going to bring them to the floor. That's not the way to proceed. But it just tells you how thin her support is, even among Democrats in the House of Representatives, that she gave in and brought it there knowing full well that the vote was going to fail. And it did. 335 out of the 435 members of the House voted not to bring the measure forward. They wanted to table the measure which means they wanted to kill it. Even though 95 members of the Democratic Party voted for it, that would just show that that more than 60% did not support the resolution. And so they either were afraid of, of what would happen in, in November next year at the polls, or they just knew that it was the wrong thing to be doing. So the tabling was because that it, I feel like that most of the representatives know that in order to impeach, that you've got to have evidence of high crimes and misdemeanors. Uh, that's what the Constitution calls for. Uh, Pelosi knew that, that the evidence did not exist for that. But again, she carried it forward because she had to in order to keep the support of her conference there, the Democrats in Congress. So Mueller is coming to uh, Congress to testify this week. The Trump gets a big win just before Mueller comes on the stage. And uh, all in all, just... Uh, Trump continues to expose and exploit the kind of the radical nature of anyone who speaks up on the Democrat side. Uh, Yana Presley got way out of bounds over this last week. She, in one appearance, told a left-wing audience that race is the defining factor in her representation. Then she went on to chastise fellow black members of Congress by saying, we don't need any more brown faces that don't want to be a brown voice. She used the same argument for Muslims and gays. And so what she's doing is putting race at the top of the reasons why people should be elected or, or speak in Congress. But it also is is like she's saying there needs to be a litmus test before you can serve as a black representative. She would then disavow that anyone who is uh, of minority could serve as a Republican or an independent just the idea that you have to fall into line, that you do not have your own voice or can't be the voice of your constituency is very, very much in contrast 
to the idea of representative democracy that we have, this republic that we have. So we'll see where this goes. But for her calling out uh, Democrats, I think, was uh, was just beyond what she should have done in public. If you are not prepared to come to that table and to represent that voice, don't come. Because we don't need any more brown faces that don't want to be a brown voice. We don't need black faces that don't want to be a black voice. We don't need Muslims that don't want to be a Muslim voice. We don't need queers that don't want to be a queer voice. And if you're worried about being marginalized and stereotyped, please don't even show up. Because we need you to represent that voice. Sounds like a last-ditch effort as more and more minorities are not automatically voting in the Democratic Party. I think they're getting scared. Yeah, I I definitely think that uh, too. So they are running not on their ideas but for one concept, and that is to defeat Trump. Of course, that has to be their objective, but they ought to be running on values rather than just that. You are listening to Inside New Mexico with chairman of our Republican Party, Steve Pierce. We have more to talk about. I hope you'll stay tuned. National Guard and Reserve members are true leaders, both in the military and in the workplace. They are highly skilled and get the job done every day. Employer support of the Guard and Reserve, ESGR, can help you recruit top-notch service members to your workforce. Hiring Guard and Reserve members is good for your business and good for your community. Visit esgr.mil employers to learn more. Welcome back to Inside New Mexico. I'm Derek Underhill, and Steve Pierce, our chairman of the Republican Party of New Mexico, is with me. And we have some Democrat presidential debates coming up this week. What are your thoughts? Uh, Of course, we're recording before the debates actually take place. But I think that we'll see that hard left trend that we saw in the last debate in June The most outrageous thing I think they said is uh, decriminalization of illegal entry into the U.S., uh, free health care for illegal immigrants. Now, visualize this, that under Obamacare, uh, it became a crime. You would uh, receive a fine if you didn't buy and pay for insurance. But if you come here illegally, you would get it for free. Now, that may not seem like a contrast to Democrats, but to most of us, you say that that's just not fair. Now, another thing I saw that uh, kind of pokes fun at the whole idea of gun control, I've heard it said that we don't need guns because we have police. Well, then someone says, well, if that's true, then why do we need fire extinguishers? Because we do have firefighters. This idea that we have a right to protect ourselves still continues to be attacked by the left. I don't know if we'll get into gun control in the debates. But, you know, Derek, one of the things, we continue to see the disingenuous nature of of the arguments from the left. So Bernie Sanders is one of the leading candidates, and he's been pushing the entire Democrat Party passed out of the House this last week, an increase in the minimum wage of $15 per hour. And, of course, all the people on the campaign trail say that we ought to be paying that much. Well, then it turns out that Bernie's own campaign staff has unionized and now are taking their grievances to the union in the hopes of negotiating higher salaries. He's not paying his staff the $15 an hour that he wants to mandate for everyone else. It's just a a blatant hypocrisy in the socialist 
policies that the Democrats that are running for president are pitching out to the American people. So just don't fall for what they say. Watch what they do. And you'll know more about where the presidential candidates actually stand. All right. Let's take a look at some New Mexico updates. Well, first of all, there was a poll recently, and I don't say this with any malice, and I don't say it with any real great joy, but our governor has been listed as one of the 10 least popular governors in the country. Of course, that's because that she took on and, and tried to get past the most radical abortion bill that the nation would have seen. And also this attack on her rights to own guns. She passed this tax increase on top of spending the full surplus. And so when the poll was conducted, 44% of New Mexico voters uh, approved of Lujan Grisham's performance and 43% disapproved. Now, there's only about 30% Republicans statewide. So that means a lot of Democrats and a lot of independents are not very excited about how she's representing the state. And whether you like it or not, uh, these elections have consequences. And so watching what's happening to the jobs, I hear companies that are leaving the state, they're shutting down. They just can't overcome the regulations. They can't overcome the hostility of the state government to the businesses. It's just sad to watch it happening and playing out right now. And so we will see where where the next few months take us. But right now, that the governor's popularity is sagging. Now, the Democrat Governors Association, she was on a panel there, and her comments seemed startlingly candid regarding support by Democrat presidential candidates to eliminate private health insurance. She said, I think it scares people. Well, it should scare people because something like 150 million people have their own private insurance and it would all get canceled out. And then regarding the presidential candidates saying that that they want to make crossing the border a civil versus a criminal offense. And she said that just scares too many people, too, who don't know anything about immigration. And regarding her unpopularity in New Mexico, she'd say, if you looked at my social media right now, you'd think she'd never win re-election. And so we just, again, quote those things that are being said nationally and It just is an indication that New Mexico is still struggling. We're near the bottom of almost everything. There's greater disenchantment in the schools. People were supposed to be paid more. We thought that was going to end the problems at the schools. I always campaign saying you can't pay your way out of a bad situation. When you've got a negative morale, when you have people who hate their job and teachers right now across the board seem to hate their job, you're not going to fix that with pay. And so once again, we find that management is far more than pay. Management is far more than just lip service, that you actually have to change the circumstances and change the the outcomes before people begin to believe that it's going to get better. You can't just tell them it's better while they see with their own eyes that it is maybe not better. So, Derek, that's what we've got to say on those statewide issues. We hear things from one party or the other, and we see things on television, on the news. But I think people are seeing for themselves the differences between the two sides. Are you seeing this, too? I'm seeing a lot of Democrats cross over and become Republicans or independents. I'm seeing uh, many of those Democrats have crossed over in order to run as Republicans, saying, I'm fed up with our side. And so things are really unsettled in New Mexico. This last legislative session, the total, total attacks on Trump. And when people see that their 
pay stubs or, or more. They see the decrease in the taxes. So they may not love Trump. They may hate his tweets. They may hate what he says. But they also appreciate what he does in standing up to China, to Iran, to Mexico, to whoever, to the Europeans. And so they appreciate some things. So I think that uh, definitely New Mexicans are open to seeing the president succeed. And when they see nationally, they're trying to just tear him down all the time. It does. It wears at the depth of uh, feeling they have for their own party. But We'll see in that next election, but it's a good question to be asking. Well, I noticed, too, a lot of the Democrats here in New Mexico are not the uh, AOC far-left progressive. They are more moderate and more willing to look at, well, what is the other party doing? Because this party doesn't appeal to me anymore. It's kind of moved away. And so I see a lot of that. Yeah, and and Republicans sometimes uh, have the same problem. Uh, We swing too far one direction or the other, or maybe we aren't courageous enough in our viewpoints. So right now, with Trump at the head, people know where Republicans stand, and they know that that this president will stand up and speak, that he will call it out when people disrespect the nation. That represents a lot of Democrats. They love this country. They love it. They may have a different viewpoint of how to see our way forward than Republicans do, but they certainly don't hate it. And, And some of the far left hate the country. Derek, great show today. Let me run through ways people can talk to us on the web, newmexico.gop. You can find us on social media at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just put in at New Mexico GOP. We've got various podcasts that we put our radio program. We've got the Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcast. Just go to any of these apps on your phone. Search for Inside New Mexico with Steve Pierce and subscribe. You'll be notified every time a new episode is available. But get involved. Call our headquarters at 505-298-3662. Derek, great show. Appreciate all your help and uh, your production team for putting this together. And Chairman Pierce, thank you for taking the time to uh, put your end together and do the research. We look forward to talking with you and our listeners again next week right here on Inside New Mexico.